a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Well, that's that. The longest season is officially over, a mere 378 days after it started, and it definitely didn't end the way that Manchester City fans would have been hoping for. In a strange way, defeat to Lyon might have been easier to take if it hadn't come in a manner that we've seen so many times in the last year and a bit. But then again, perhaps the only surprising thing is that anyone is surprised about what happened in that Champions League quarter-final. Welcome to this week's final Blue Moon podcast of the season, where we'll be dissecting that 3-1 defeat to Lyon and trying to work out whether Guardiola outfoxed himself whether the tactics were the biggest issue or whether it's just the same old story with the referees, video assisted or not. I'm your host, David Mooney, and for a show like this one, we're going to need two sensible heads. Unfortunately, they weren't available at such short notice, so you're going to have to make do with City fans Richard Burns. Hello there. And Sam Roscoe. Hello there, mate. Sam, um, first off, uh, like I, I, I bet this is not the situation you expected to be doing your first show back in ages. <laughs> um. Well... You know, the pessimist in me, inside me really um, feels ready for a moment like this, to be honest. It feels like I've had a, got a lot built up in the time that I've not been able to vent on the podcast, so this should be fun. Vent away, my friend, vent away, uh, because it, <laughs> it was a disappointing end to an ultimately disappointing season. Um, Sam, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you. Just sum up your feelings on, on how this season has been. I think... Um, it's mainly frustration, to be honest. Um, obviously, what's what's happened has been unprecedented, and uh, not necessarily frustration with with the way things have gone in terms of how long the season's been and and stuff like that. You know, that's a situation that everybody's been in, and it's um, it's been bizarre. But um, I, th- I think when you look back to to pre um, pre football lockdown and and pre uh, pandemic, if you like, I, I think just the, the there were there were times in the Premier League where it's it's really not been good enough, um, and I, it's a number of things. It's just you know they've just been really sloppy at times and and really nowhere near um, what they should be. But at the same time, I think when you look at the league table, they've they've totally got away with it because across the board, barring Liverpool, every team has been poor. It's been a really really poor season in terms of quality of football, in terms of um, you know, good teams going on and and doing, uh, you know, putting consistent runs together. We've not really seen that. We've lost far too many games, and even Liverpool, to a certain extent, you know, obviously pre-lockdown they were amazing, they were unbelievable, and it was looking like they were going to break all records. But then, once the restart happened, they they showed their um, vulnerable side, which which couldn't be exploited prior to. To then, unfortunately, and and um, yeah, I think you know City have only really got themselves to blame when you look at some of the results they've had. That is the case, isn't it, Richard? It, it might upset the York away crowd, but I mean, it's it's okay to be disappointed, but this season with only the League Cup, isn't it? I use only in inverted commas. Of course, it is because when you unpack that, what nobody's going to say is that we're disappointed with the League Cup, um, and. Fortunately, what we get to do is, you know, this isn't Twitter where we have to fit our opinions into 280 characters. Um, we can unpack that and say why it's disappointing. So for all the reasons that Sam's obviously just said, um, 
it's not that not winning the Champions League is a failure because I, I never believe that. Although obviously we want to win it, and we know that our our squad and our team and our manager um, all have the quality to on the day beat anybody. We know that the Champions League is a very difficult competition to win. There's a select number of elite clubs, and only one can win it a year. The disappointment is in how we've exited. It's not that winning not winning the FA Cup is a failure. Um, because again, it's a knock—it's a knockout cup competition. Anything can happen. But how we exited that competition against a team that were good on the day, but should have been there for the taking. We have all the um, recent experience of winning big games like that, and we we weren't good enough on the day. So that's why that was disappointing. And then bread and butter for me, one that will always be the most important: the Premier League. It's not the not winning it that is the failure. It's how we didn't win it. Liverpool got 99 points. So that's more than we won the league with last season and it's only one point less on the record than we set the season before and it'd win it'd win any other league. So losing out to that Liverpool team is no failure at all. Only one team can win can win the league. It's the fact that we lost nine games and it's the fact that across those nine games um and in the Champions League defeat to Leon and in the FA Cup defeat to Arsenal, you see the same problems cropping up over and over and over again. Defensive fragility, inability to turn a game that, that's going against us. Um, and that's really disappointing because this squad and this manager are, um, well, I want to say they're better than that, but actually this season, obviously, they've not been better than that and they've got what they've deserved and sort of the proof was in the pudding that they're not better than that. But we know that generally they've got the quality to be better than that. And um, for for many reasons that probably need more unpacking, um, they, they've just they've they've failed over and over again. They've made daft mistakes and they've been hurt for it. So nobody's disappointed to win the league cup and quarter final in the Champions League, semi final in the FA Cup, second in the Premier League. None of them are individual failures, but you put it across the season all as one package. And unfortunately, for what City aim for and for what they've uh, they've got at their disposal, it, it isn't good enough. Well, let's do some of that unpacking then in that case, because it's only the League Cup, but uh, because City were knocked out of the Champions League by Lyon on Saturday night. Before the game, Lyon were 11-1 to to beat City, uh, but by the end of it, there was only really one deserving winner, wasn't there? So uh, let, let's let's talk about where it all went wrong. Um, Sam, the first, the big talking point was that Guardiola completely changed his setup. He, he matched Lyon's tactics, which, I mean, in the first 20 minutes, for sure, looked a, a, a big mistake, didn't it? Yeah, um, you know it, it's difficult to to you know um, not pin this one on Guardiola. Um, I know City fans um, are a, a big admirers of, of Pep Guardiola, um, and I've said it. The, the worrying thing, and Richard touched on it and articulated it very well, much better than than what I could do. But the, there is has been a worrying trend this season, and that it's. Um, there are there are games where we've we've just got it wrong, where the managers totally got it wrong, um, and it's clearly obvious that we've got it wrong within the sort of first twenty minutes, half an hour of games, and things just aren't going our way. Um, you know, these these games that I can remember, like you you know Liverpool uh, away earlier on in the season. United, I, in, in fairness, away. Liverpool away, you can never pin on Guardiola. City no, never won that no, one. but I, that's true. That's true. But I just think you know. There's, it's difficult because I, I want to say there's all you know this there's a system that Pep has and there there are clear faults with it and teams have, have figured them out to exploit and and he's he's tried something different coming up against Leon and going like for like has has instead of um, fixing the initial issues that were wrong with the system that that we've been so successful with. Um, <laughs> we, We've given ourselves a whole new mountain to climb. I think <laughs> three at the back, and you know, in the space of very, very limited time to to work on it in training and stuff like that. Um, I just think it, it it's it really suited Leon. You know, it was it, it didn't really challenge them in any particular way. Uh, I don't think Cancelo was the the right choice whatsoever. Um, I mean, you know, I. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if something was up with Mendy, um, or it's just a case of he's not had the fitness-wise, he's not had the most amount of game time, um, in, and to, for him to play in such a short 
period of time would have been difficult. But you know, you'd, you'd like to think if you are going to go through at the back and, and play with wing backs, then Mendy, who is unbelievable at crossing the ball from the left hand side, uh, would have been ideal for that. Um, and and Cancelo, you know, not naturally on the the right side of the pitch for him. Really got found out, I think, last night. Um, and, and Walker just didn't. I think the issue was width. You know, we were playing a system that really required a lot of width, um, and that was from the the fullbacks. And Cancelo wasn't great, and Walker really didn't provide the width. I think he was coming in far too much on the inside. Um, but needless to say, you know, I think straight away what we were doing well in in previous games, um, that complete system change totally wiped out any ability to do what we were doing well. I think. The thing is, though, Richard, I mean, they always say, don't they, that, you know, a fool is doing the same thing again and expecting different results. So you can't, I I honestly don't think you can blame Guardiola for trying something different when he knew that the opposition were going to play a back five. The time City have have faced a back five under Guardiola, especially this season and last season, they found it really, really hard to break them down. So, I mean, fair play for trying something new, but when it wasn't working, he needed to change it. Yeah, that was, um, I I take the point that, yeah, like you say, doing doing the same thing over and over again and, and expense different different results is madness. Um, but but it's we, what we do well. That's the thing. Yeah, it is, and we we sacrificed we yeah. sacrificed so much creativity. So, like like Sam said, by trying to fix one problem, we created more, and it it reminds me of like you you get a um, a dent in your car. So to fix it, you try and knock more dents into it to get that one out. And in the end, you just end up with a battered car. And that's sort of how Pep tried to fix City's problem yesterday. By, like, we're a really, really creative football team. And that has been, I mean, it's always our strength, but more so than ever, that has been sort of, all, this sounds daft, but it's all we've had to fall back on this season is the fact that we can score a stupid number of goals because we are, um, I don't want to say leaky at the back because when we did the end of season live show, Ned and Miro sort of really dissected that very well, that we don't concede a lot more goals than other teams, but we concede more than we used to. And we look shaky. We don't look confident at the back, um, which obviously feeds other teams' confidence. So when you then sacrifice your own ability to go forward and create, by having Rodri, Gundogan, uh, and Fernandinho. I know obviously Fernandinho was a um, was at centre back, but it's it, it's having those three on the pitch together and not having a, a Foden who um, against Real Madrid. I think, but did he play sixty five minutes against Madrid there or thereabouts? He ran nine and a half kilometres. We've lost that running from midfield. We know David Silva, extremely creative player. We lost that. We lost Bernardo's creativity. Okay, he's not had the best season of his career. Um, in fact, he's been well short of his standards from the previous season. But you look back now, and we'd have been better having those legs just because, if for nothing else, Sterling's generally accepted as being one of our two best players last night, and he was. But you look at what happened to him in the first half. Every time he got the ball out left, he had two or three men on him because Leon could afford to put that on him because he didn't have to worry about anybody else receiving the ball from him elsewhere. If you have another creative player there or somebody else who can just drop into that space, they can't afford to put two men on Sterling or three men on Sterling, and you automatically create more space. It's dead easy to say after the event, but I do think on this one, there was a lot of people looking at that team beforehand and calling some of these problems. So I don't think this is just a case of being sort of uh, wise after the event either. I think as well for me, um, I hate to be that guy, but again, Guardiola's left it so late to change anything when it's so glaringly obvious. Well, um, I was, I was going to say, Sammy, when, so- when he switched back to his four-three-three, you know, City equalised, but Leon scored twice. I think that's just the you know the nature of the game at what stage it was. You know, they had to. They had to go for it. You know, it's a 90-minute knockout match in the Champions League. Um, it's late late in the game. And, I, I, you know, I think the the third goal, um, the way it comes, I know we'll, we'll talk, go into it a little bit later on, but um, I, I remember watching the game and saying, I hope they score now because this will just sort of like take that moment away from being as significant as it was, I think. Like, I just want them to score. And they did. Um, and I'm sure we'll come on to, like, the nature of how they scored 
But I just think, again, you know, I, I talk quite a lot about uh, Tottenham away in the Champions League when Aguero missed the penalty and we lost 1-0. You know, it, uh, putting De Bruyne, and I think it was Leroy Sané at the time on in the 88th minute, was just like, what is the point? Um, and there have been a number of occasions like that now where it's glaringly obvious changes need to be made. And again, I hate being that guy because I know Pep is um, an unbelievable manager and I'm not, not you know, going overly critical with him. Um, it, but I do think that's one of his major flaws. Um, it's just... Uh, I don't know if it's, it's, it's his ability to, to see uh, issues and how they need to change or it's he, he just overthinks that. Um, again, it could be his, you know, trust in his players. I, I was just going to say, so sorry to interrupt, but I think that's it. I think he's got so much, and this might be too positive a spin on it, but I think he's got so much confidence in what mm. he's already put on the pitch. And to be fair a decent career that he can, and not just with City, but a career where he can look back and he's got so many moments where all it took was patience and a moment of sort of divine inspiration from a great player and, and a, a game and a season flipped on his head. And I honestly think sometimes, um, particularly in big games, I think he's just got so much confidence in what's already out there to do the job they yeah. put out there to do. I hate to say it, but we're not Barcelona from you know that era, and we're certainly not Bayern Munich from from that era either. You know, we don't have a Messi to rely on. We don't have uh, Lewandowski to to rely on. We've got we've got I, a De Bruyne, though. That's that's yeah, the... yeah, we do, but you know, we can't do everything, can he? And and he's and you know, he, whilst he is amazing, he's still not at that level of Lewandowski on and Messi where he can really turn it on its head. And last night, you know, he did look like the player, and for the He's been the shining light of the season, let's face it. He has been um, the one player that's really got stuck in and, and won City games by the scruff of the neck. But I just think, you know, for us to to rely on him, it's, we've relied on him so much this season. Um, and just going back to, to Richard's point, and, you know, I mentioned like we're not Barcelona and we're not um, at Bayern Munich. And I just think that, like... You know, it's it, it's happened too many times. That's that's the point I'm making. Like, it's, yeah. it's for for it to be a one-off mistake. It, it, it's not the case now. Like, it has happened too many times where there are clearly things not quite right, and you know, tweaks need to happen to get the best out of the players that we have. Um, and last night was another great example of that. <laughs> Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Well, let's hear what Guardiola had to say about his decision to change the setup from the off. Uh, he was asked in the post-match press conference if he thought his players looked comfortable with the change. The first 15-20 minutes, no, half an hour. The last 15 minutes, the first half, we were so, yeah, so comfortable. Uh, in this competition, the tactics is not the most important thing. So they are so fast up front. They play when they're in the ball. They contact a little bit with the strikers or the midfield players. Sorry, they attack incredible fast to the channel, and we are not so quick central defenders and didn't want to leave them two and two. Even for the build-up, we were more solid in a, to make the three and two in that positions. Maybe can help us, you know, to do it to do it better. Um, this is the reason why, but the first last 15, 20 minutes of the first half, we, we were there, we were more aggressive, the central defenders, the people came in. Finally, we could contact with him, and we struggled a little bit in the first 10, 15 minutes, but it is normal. Sometimes you need time to the game, settle, you're in this position. Unfortunately, we in an action, the frontal ball, we suffer, we struggle the goal. Uh, but after the game was, was good, we, we create a lot, and, uh, but we make one or two mistakes in this competition. It's so, so hard and it happened last season again with Tottenham. So maybe one day we will improve and we will break this situation. I would say we, we work three days about this and we discuss about this and we review about this. And, uh, and when you play the last 50, 20 minutes in that system, so in the way we played, it was really good. So it was not a problem. So, but I don't know how it works. I know. 
this situation and uh, the decision to make it and why, why I did it. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Facebook.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Richard, do you agree with him? Um, I suppose I agree with parts of it and not all of it. Um, I think it's very easy to say tactics aren't the most important thing. And, and some of his analysis there is, as you'd expect, uh, is absolutely sound. But some of the problems were tactical problems. It, um, it, it's all well and good talking about sort of Leon's speed and slow and our slow central defenders. Well, you can bring that back and say, if that's like obviously we knew that was the case before the game. Pep and City scouting team knew that was the, they were uh, potential factors before the game. Yeah, so so solve the problem. Yeah, yeah. So why why not select a team that goes more on the front foot? One thing I'm I'm a little bit wary of um, on the the I'm a bit wary of just sticking to the idea that City should only play their style because what we it's easy to forget when we say that that you can play the same style or apply the same core principles to different setups. Like that's, that's important. And we've done that before. Um, and I remember being extremely critical many, many times of Manuel Pellegrini for never accounting for the way the opposition played. So I, I don't want to fall too much into the trap. Of, of, <laughs> it, of, it, it, I yeah, feel I like I, it's gone too far the other way though, doesn't it? You know, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't want to be a hypocrite on this, but the fact is we play a certain way that, if we play to our best on the front foot, then other teams have to adapt to us. And when you look at, I know this is re- like probably quite a reductive way of looking at it, but we've just beat Real Madrid, who are a better team than Leon. They've just won the Spanish league. We've finished second in the Premier League and Leon finished seventh in the French league, which might not be as bad as people say it is as a league, but seventh is not a great finishing position for a team that have, that have put us out at this stage of the Champions League. And it's just so odd when we know that we can impose our game, maybe with slight tweaks. We, we had to tweak it at the Bernabeu. We weren't gung-ho at the Bernabeu, were we? But we were able to impose our game on Madrid twice to a point that we were the better team against them. We were aggressive against Madrid and forced mistakes. And... We've not even tried to do that against Leon, and that's the frustrating thing. Like we've not just changed it; we've abandoned what we're best at. And so, I—that's where it, with Guardiola's interview, although lots of it is is very, very true. Um, I'm sure he'll know this when he analyzes it. It starts with the mistakes Pep made with the lineup. Unfortunately, that's that's the overarching thing that affected the entire game. I think um, he mentioned there that you know in the in the first sort of uh, fifteen minutes we were comfortable and there were he said there were there were a few moments in the game where we looked comfortable and I I disagree with him on that I think we looked vulnerable I don't think we looked comfortable. Um, the first goal was coming, wasn't it? When the, when Leon opened the scoring, it had been coming. Yeah, yeah, and again, it it was that's the frustrating thing. It was it was glaringly obvious that we didn't look comfortable we looked vulnerable we looked uneasy um we weren't creating clear cut chances and at that point you know it's it's just a frustration because like at what point does pep you know not trust his players and we need i think we need to see more of that we need to see him be more ruthless particularly in 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 these games um yeah i just think we looked we didn't look comfortable at all. We looked far from it, to be honest. Well, the uh, we, t- we touched on Leon's first goal there, but probably the biggest story of the night decision-wise was the decision to allow Leon's second goal to stand. Uh, here's what Guardiola thought about the goal, plus a little more on City's approach to the game. It happened many times in this competition, but I don't want to talk about now. Would like uh, I am finding, or we are finding as a club, excuse so it's what it is. The referee decide, the VAR decide, uh, this kind of circumstances is uh, where it is, so... We struggled the first 50-20 minutes to find the spaces to attack a little bit better with more consistent and after the last 15 minutes, 20 minutes, the people start to play really good and a team like we knew it, so it's so aggressive, defensive, strong, like all the French teams. And the second half, we are 
uh, we are good and uh, yeah but it was not uh, good enough so the distance is sometimes the chances we miss and after we consider goal so it's where it is so maybe one day we're going to break this this part of the quarterfinals so we are not able to do it I'm not able with these incredible guys uh, to do it we're going to try in the future support the show by becoming a backer patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast sam guardiola not drawn on it there really but i mean it's it's cut and dry isn't it it's a foul there's no other no other way of looking at it um i think i think you can look at it over and over again and you can over analyze it and i i think you know it's it, either way it's a harsh decision um i remember watching it watching it um the the um, the foul, if you like, um, and I, I remember thinking, well, you know, there's a case for him sort of making contact, and you could say, well, he's gone down after the contact, and and I, I don't know. If you, if, if mean, you stand on someone's foot while you're running, uh, and you know, even well, it takes if you, even... an extra couple of steps, you know, I mean, it, it, it's clear that it has knocked him off balance, and he's gone down for it. But is it a foul? Is it intentional? Um, I mean, well, let's, I let, let's flip I, it the other way because think, yeah, if, if, a, if a City player had done that to a Leon defender at the other end of the pitch, it, it feels like given what else had been given that night, it would be given. I don't know. Um, if, it, if it hadn't resulted in a goal, it feels like it would have been that, 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 that would have been given as a free kick. I'm not, again, I'm not too sure. And, and I, 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 this is one where I do agree with, with Guardiola. And I think, look, you know, we're, go- we're always going to have these debates because we're always going to have these issues. And it's, you know, it is a, VAR is a bone of contention for many people, including myself. But I just think, look, you know, there are, there are bigger moments in the game that, uh, you know, we've not lost the game because of that decision. Um, yes, it's not, it's not been ideal and it's not helped, but I think, you know, even, even before that, you know, can, can we do better and, and stop that attack from happening? Um, there are, there are bigger moments for me where, you know, I think we have to be, you know, and the team have to be critical of themselves um, before we, you know, just say, oh, it was down to VAR. I don't think that was the case with that one. I was going to say, Richard, in all in all honesty, City shouldn't be needing a VAR review at that stage to save them, should they? No, of course not. And Sam's dead, dead right to say that that isn't the moment that cost us. I'm sure we're about to touch on. Uh, at least one other key moment where where City had it in their own hands. But that said, at a key stage of such an important game, to go behind largely because a decision, because the the law was, as far as I'm aware, not applied correctly because there was a foul. The fact is that if that doesn't happen, City were in the ascendancy and... um, they wouldn't be 2-1 down if the foul's given. They don't score from that. I mean, it, it really is that black and white that it's a it's a hugely, hugely costly moment. Um, I can't say I'm furious about it because I do accept all the other points that there was a lot more wrong with City than um, than the referee's decision or the, the VAR decision. But it's extremely frustrating to know that there's somebody reviewing that on video. The whole world has seen the contact and... The law theme, like I say, I mean, I'm open to correction, but the law seems to be pretty clear that that does constitute a foul. So why haven't it been given? It's just, it's baffling to me. But, um, and, and you can't take away the fact that that's had a, a huge impact on the game. No no game is won or lost in one single moment because of football matches, 90 minutes. But we all know that big moments turn things and it came at a key game so um we also we can't discount it in our analysis of what's happened it's frustrating well after the game uh Averitt Laporte tweeted uh he, he replied he, he quote tweeted a video of the incident and uh and then underneath it wrote just to be clear I will not hide I'm a football player but a man foremost we all made mistakes in this game and I also take my responsibility for the bad team performance tonight but this decision is hard to accept especially in a crucial qualifier and with the help of VAR um Sam what do you reckon what do you think of what he's got to say though um I think his PR team should probably leave the tweeting after a game like that to be honest um i think yeah you know i i 
I really don't like seeing footballers come out and sort of like, you know, I, I don't, I understand that it's a great forum for footballers to, you know, have their say and, and stuff like that. But I just think whinging at VAR is, is not, is not the, the way to go, I think, after that game. Um, and yeah, it's just, just don't do it, I think, for me. <laughs> It's it's interesting, Richard. That line, uh, I will not hide, I'm a football player, but a man foremost, we all made mistakes in this game. Um, does that remind you of uh, of City in about 2012, getting beaten by Real, uh, Real Madrid and you know being 2-1 up in the 86th minute but losing the game and Joe Hart and Edin Dzeko afterwards? Well, yeah, I mean, not. but to be fair, not just City in 2012. It was City every... I mean, I was going to say every year in the Champions League for a good few years, but... It was City game by game in the Champions League for about three years because every because we were never particularly consistent. Every game always had something riding on it, and invariably we'd um, we'd be in a position going into a last game or something where uh, or, or a big game, and and every week it was the, uh, oh sorry every passing round it was the oh we've made this mistake before but we'll we'll front up and it's not going to happen again. Fronting up's all well and good, and you know I've got. Um, no big issues with Laporte. is is an exceptional defender. He's one of our best. Um, but saying I won't hide is the easy thing to do, isn't it? I don't want to criticise him too much for it because you've got to say something. But not hiding doesn't bring back the result. You acknowledge your mistakes, but you can't hide. The whole world saw the mistake you made. So yeah, oh, good, on good on him for fronting up, but it doesn't change anything. It's the, the the proof now will be when we're in a quarter final next year. Does the same thing happen again? Yeah, exactly. I think you know, for me, why to the point I was making before, like you know, it's all well and good coming out on social media after the game and saying putting your hands up, but you know, you do your talking on the pitch at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and Richards nailed, you know, absolutely nailed it. It's we've seen far too many of these tweets from City players and and post match reactions of uh, hands being held up. Uh, for sympathy, when it's yeah. just like how many how many hands have they got? I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you. Sorry, but the, just the more important thing to me than um, and the, again, potentially sounds a little bit daft, but given that we're still in a slightly emotional state after it, the more important thing to me is not seeing the hands held up and fronting up on social media, but it's the actually seeing the devastation in the players' faces after the match, seeing them lay down like they'd just lost a cup final, that's more important to me because that's the stuff that shows me that hurt them and they won't want to go through it again. That's that's more important than a nice tweet on social media that says, I'll be a man about this. I can see how much it hurt you because it's written all over your face. Yeah, Correct it. <laughs> Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Well, once again, City's quality in both boxes has been their undoing. It was the same in Guardiola's first season. It was a problem solved in the second and third seasons, but it's been back with a vengeance this year. Here's what Guardiola said when he was asked if he'd spoken to Raheem Sterling after he'd missed that open goal. I didn't see it. I didn't see the players. We're going to talk now in the hotel. So after the the locker room, the the players are were, of course, sad. And we're going to, to do it in, uh, in the hotel, but it's part of the game, so... The football is uh, these competitions. We know we can do many things, but in the boxes we have to be serious. Not concede the goals we concede, especially the second one, the mistake in the in the past. And we create. I think the statistics show that we were good. We did more than the other ones in terms of uh, everything, but was not enough. Get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. So, Richard, how can you account for Gabriel Jesus missing at the back post, for Raheem Sterling blazing over from from six yards with an open goal? Well, um, the Jesus one was really bad. Um, I think he's 
mistimed it, he's snatched it, he's got a bit carried away in the moment. Um, but Jesus can be very inconsistent in front of goal. So that one didn't overly surprise me. The Sterling one, um, the only thing that accounts for that is that he was wearing those dreadful shoes that he's been hawking on social media. <laughs> on. He wasn't, it's just bizarre. You know, you've got a, a lad there who scored 31 goals across the season. And yeah, we know across his career, not always been a great finisher and, and blah, blah, blah. He's three, four yards out from goal and he's got an open net. And that's the type of goal that City... Um, City are really good at scoring, getting the ball across the box and getting that tapping. Sterling is particularly adept at it. And in, in the moment, he's had, he's had an absolute shocker. There's no excuse for missing it, unfortunately. Um, it's, it, it's not one of his, you know, we've seen him in one-on-ones where he maybe does overthink it and, and it's not always his, his best situation when he's bearing down on goal. That one is... It's a prime Sterling tapping. And unfortunately, after the season he's had, it comes to the most important touch that he'll have all season and the easiest goal he'd have to score. And, well, we all know what happened. He put it over. I mean, I, I full-on, full-on celebrated because I just thought <laughs> it had gone in. Like, I let an ungodly noise out of my mouth and then I actually laughed in, I think, probably an embarrassment at myself. I was very glad I wasn't in a stadium or anything like that. Um yeah, just a, an absolute shocker and there isn't really any accounting for it. He, he should have scored, he didn't and that's sort of that. It reminded me, I know obviously the, the easy callback is his own miss at Burnley in uh, 2018. It, it really reminded me, do you remember Tevez's open goal miss against Sunderland? Sunderland, yeah. That was the one that it called to mind for me. I, mean, I think it was almost identical, open net, put it over. I, I was going to say though, Sam, uh, like you look at City's record in front of goal. And you know, I, I I can only think of a of a handful of times where I've I've seen City players miss an open goal, but I can think of about four this season. They missed two open goals at Spurs. They missed an open goal, I think, in in the League Cup semi final against United. I think they'd gone round De Gea and still managed not to put it in. And then there was one on Saturday night as well. I think it just um, wonderfully sums up the season, really. You know, and and. Uh... We've missed a handful of open goals this this season in in, in more than one sense. Um, ah, man! Just to echo Richard Richard's point on um, the reaction, I was in a uh, I was watching it, and I've actually requested the CCTV from the, the bar <laughs> where we was watching it with a couple of friends because we uh, one of them ended up on the floor, um, and it's you know it. The only thing I can think of describing that that I, I mean, listen, you know it. You can, you can be overly critical sometimes with with players missing amazing chances, like really, really good chances. But it, it literally was five yards out, open goal, and I don't know how he's managed to get it that high over the bar. The only the only way I can describe it is uh, just a a supernatural event. You know, it, it was it was unhuman like to. To, you know, <laughs> to, to get it situation, yeah, you see, you see the ball coming across, and you think, well, how's he got it there? You know, how's he? And how's you and, over the bar. And you speak as a man is the only person in in life I've ever seen get a football stuck in a roof. Yeah, <laughs> that was about from that was about from five yards out as well. So. <laughs> uh, talking with experience, uh, well, as we've said throughout this show, uh, the issues on Saturday weren't exactly new. They've been there since the two-all draw with Spurs this time last year. In fact, the only surprise was that City didn't miss a penalty against Leon. If they had, then it would have perfectly <laughs> summed up the season in just 90 minutes. Uh, here's Kevin De Bruyne speaking to BT Sport about those issues that City always seem to have in the Champions League. And then Pep Guardiola in his press conference giving his thoughts on how the team will react to it all. I think uh, first half we, we were not good, too slow, uh, didn't find any options. I think second half we play really well. Uh, we, we come back 1-1, we create enough chances to, to score. And uh, then obviously we give them two easy goals and the, the game is over. So, um, yeah, it feels like the uh, same old story for me, to be honest. So is it a bit of below? Did you see it as a genuine opportunity for Manchester City to go all the way and, and potentially win this, this tournament? Well, I think uh, every year we, we come in to, to win it, but we never won it. So. Um, this team is great, but we make too many mistakes, and uh, it's what we did all year. And 
I think we all have to take a look at ourselves, what we can do better and come back in, in, a, in a different way. This team is great, it's unbelievable, it's the best team I've ever played in. But we make too many mistakes, so um, that's it for me. So are you putting it down, is there one thing that you feel, is it the mistakes that is costing you ultimately, or is it is it the approach to the game? What do you feel is the main problem? Well, um, approach, uh, I think we were a little bit stuck in the first half, so maybe that was not the best, but we, we changed it, and that, that can happen. I think second half we, we did really well. Um, but in this level, you know, the little mistakes they cost us and even with the 2-1, if Ras scored a goal, I'm not blaming him because he had a perfect season. But that's the difference between their third goal and our second. If you make 2-2, the game is back on. And that's, you know, on the other hand, Eddie leaves, leaves the ball and they score. And this is what we need to learn and we need, we need to do better because this is the way we, we lost the Premier League, uh, the FA Cup and the Champions League. After break, when we start the competition again, we'll recover, we will restart again and, uh, you know, to, to try to do it again. Uh, of course, I'm not able with these guys to break this line, the quarterfinals. So three years in a row in that position we are out. So I think what these guys have done and deserve, we deserve, you know, to, to do it again uh, or to go through and go to reach the semifinals. But... Uh, we are not able so but life is is how you stand up again and next season we're going to try again this is the blue moon podcast sam it's interesting to hear de bruyne speak like that um that uh, actually say he's tired of these moments yeah i i hear him i feel him i uh, feel exactly the same you know it, it's just so frustrating isn't it because uh, you know, a lot of people before the game last night, I had a lot of friends saying to me, oh, how are you feeling? You're nervous? You must be confident. You know, it's Leon. And uh, uh, the, the response I had was, yeah, you know, it, it should be a formality on paper. It absolutely should be a formality. David, you referred to the odds earlier. You know, Leon were the massive, massive underdogs. But, you know, it, there's just something so City-esque waiting to happen. You know, you can see the banana skin that... All they had to do was step around, but they stood up straight on it. Um, they didn't stand on it. They didn't just stand on it. They, yeah. they, ran, they ran across it time and again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know what? I think hearing him come out like that and and be brutally honest, and you know, hearing him voice his frustrations is is really refreshing to hear. You know, I think it's he could have easily come out and you know just said any old sort of PR guff if you like and. And just really sort of played it down and, and pound it off. Um, but yeah, I think it was really refreshing, and I think he's right. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what. How we, I don't know how we get out of this in terms of like, <laughs> you know. I know. It's, it's, yeah, I know what you happen. mean. We're still gonna, you know, we we could have the best ever team in the world, but it feels like these moments will always still happen. And I'm trying not to use the phrase, but it's now become impossible for me not to. And it's very cliche these days, but it is the new typical city. Yeah. In fact, it's not even the new typical city. It's always been like this. And although there was a brief period where like we did win everything and that seemed to be eradicated. It always just creeps back in, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, it will never, never lose that. We'll never, ever lose that. Richard, um, I was going to say, how does City get over the, the spectre of the Champions League? Because it, it feels like it will haunt them. The, the longer this go, this sort of thing happens, it just feels like it will haunt them time and again. But on the, on, on the other side of that, you know, the Champions League is a really difficult competition to win. Yeah, it is. I, I said it before. You can, um, I mean, I know, as with any competition, there can only be one winner of it. But the nature of the Champions League is that um, it's knockout football. And for as much as I've been, uh, you know, many times on this on this podcast, I've been quite critical of using the Champions League as a, as a benchmark of success for quite a lot of reasons. But the reality is when you get to the quarterfinals, um, and, and certainly the semi-finals, you are generally against very, very, very good teams. You're really against elite teams. And even if that is what I said earlier about Lyon being seventh in the French league, they did put out Juventus before they played us. They're not. They're not at this stage for no reason. So ultimately, you're always going to be against 
um, you're always going to face very difficult opposition and more often than not you are not going to win the Champions League I mean clearly we we know that very very well <laughs> most, teams, most teams win it uh, most teams get knocked out more than they win the thing other than that insane period where Madrid won three in a row under Zidane and was did it end up being was it four out of five because they, they did it with yeah. under Ancelotti as well yeah that was special for a reason it, it just doesn't happen so um you know it's I'm not overly concerned about the fact that we that we get beat in it because that's just how knockout competitions work it's how football works really in a gra- in the overarching sense of it you're probably disappointed if you're if your ambition is winning trophies more often than not you're disappointed anyway I can live with that it's the fact that it's always seems to be done in a in a ridiculous way, and maybe fans of other clubs think that whenever they get knocked out as well. But it's um, you do. It's hard to escape the feeling that whenever we get beat, nowadays we're being beat by a team that's worse than us. Liverpool were a worse football team than us when they put us out three years ago. The worst yeah. thing is, though, it feels like we're beating ourselves. You know, it feels yeah. like we're being yeah. beaten by ourselves. You know, it's not it's not down to a team being spectacular. And amazing. And listen, take no credit away from Leon. They were brilliant. And and every team that's beat, you know, look at Norwich earlier on in the season when they beat us. They had the game of the life and then didn't win another game for like forever. <laughs> down. Um, but we get, you know, these are key examples where we're, we're failing to beat the opposition because we're, we're failing to beat ourselves. You know, we're, we're, it's like we're playing, it's like, you know, in some games we we give ourselves such a disadvantage, and I don't know if it's a mental thing. I, I, in fact, I probably I think it is. I think it's there's, there's a mental issue. I think like the mentality of the of the team isn't isn't strong enough. And I and I think um, I know we'll probably we'll probably touch on like looking back at the season, but I think a, a, a reason is that is because we don't have those sort of leaders in in the team that we did. You know, in the in the likes of company, in the likes of Yaya Torre, you know, these uh, mentally strong characters in that in that dressing room that can hold up a whole team on the shoulders and go out on the pitch and instantly, you know, when you've got a player like that in the squad who is so mentally strong and has got so much experience, the other players are, are immediately given a boost and have flowing with confidence. And I just think, barring De Bruyne. Um, I, I really don't see anyone else in in the team that's going to. You're looking up. at you're looking at David Silva, who didn't start the game. You're looking at Sergio Aguero, who's injured. You know, it's I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I, even you know, I'd, Aguero is you know Aguero's Aguero, and, and he will win matches, and he he will do it himself. But in terms of like the 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 mental lift. You know, it's that it's that thing of of when you're in the tunnel and you know the opposition team looks up and looks up and down and and goes oh, oh we're in for a game here. Look at these players. You know, I, I think you're in the tunnel and the players looking at the team you're going to go and go out with and, and play against. And you you know it's that safety net of well you know if I if I make a, a mistake here I'm I'm in a, I'm in great company and and uh, I just think mentally the the squad's really um, fragile. Well, one kind of other point that that a lot of fans have been making over the course of this season, let's be honest, uh, is is that City don't uh, they're not able to come from behind as well as they used to. Uh, I've got I, obviously me being me, I've got the numbers. Um, Eighteen times uh, in the season that's just finished, uh, they fell behind. Uh, they conceded the first goal in a game. They lost eleven of those games, won six, which is higher than I expected. I'll be honest. Uh, and drew one in Guardiola's uh, second and, and, and third season, the, the Centurion season and the uh, domestic treble winning season. Uh, they fell behind a total of, uh, oh, they considered the first goal a total of 20 times. So only two more times over two seasons than in the whole of, of, of last season. And they won 10 of them. So they were they, they were okay at coming from behind um, in those seasons. It, it kind of closely resembles the first season where they fell behind the first goal uh, twenty times and uh, and lost eight, drew eight, where they, they, they felt like they couldn't come from behind in that in that season. Um, Richard, they're not good numbers. They're not good numbers, David. You're right. Um, it's it, I mean it is concerning and it's 
clear um we all know we all everybody can see what we see when we watch city go behind that uh you feel quite often that it's going to be very very difficult to get it back we had that obviously in two very recent examples we had that feeling um against arsenal where I think we knew that we were in for a long old day once Aubameyang had scored the first goal. And it always felt, once Leon scored yesterday, that it was going to be a long night. And obviously we got we got ourselves back into it, but then couldn't make it stick for many, many reasons. It's just, it's, it's a problem across the season. It's, um... I was going to say that the list of games, though, like, look, look, at the, look at the list of games. Spurs away, Wolves, you know, uh, in the home game. Uh, mm. United, how many times did it happen against United? Yeah, it's, um, it's a, I, I, to be honest, I find it quite a difficult one to analyse because it's, the, the, the quality in the team is so good that it's not like we're suddenly unable to, it's not like when a team scores against you, you lose quality, is it? We've still got players on there that should be able to drag us back into it. The, the, the ability to score a goal shouldn't change because we've conceded the first one. And so ultimately, it, I guess it points to mentality, doesn't it? It's um, that frustration and maybe lack of belief it just it seems to start to just run through the team in, in a Pre- way. Creeps really, in, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, in a way that you really, really wouldn't expect. And it's like the, it's just a repeated experience. And I guess it's a, um, you know, we know that winning is a habit and, and goodness, we've seen that over the last, um, you know, the two seasons prior to this one. Once we got going, we we almost couldn't not win at times, regardless of how a game looked. And now it's the opposite. It doesn't matter how many chances we create. We seem to very quickly fall back on that. I'm not saying this was the problem against Leon, but just generally. We fall back on that plan B of trying to get the ball into the box from out wide and then hope to win the second ball, which doesn't actually work very often. It, you can see why it's a plan B, but um, it'd be nice to have a plan C as well, to be honest, because that <laughs> doesn't always... I, I can think of maybe one a touch two games where it really paid off. I was going to say, mathematically, though, if we're extrapolating down, if if the quality <laughs> from A to B is that bad, I'd dread to think what it would be from B to C. Yeah, good point. But yeah, it's just, I think it's, it's something that desperately needs fixing. And the only way we can fix it now is by getting that experience back of winning games from behind. I mean, weirdly, they read the record out last night, didn't they, where in all the previous three Champions League games where we'd been behind, we actually went on to win them, one of which was in the Bernabeu. So it's not like they can't do it, but it's just... it. The, I, I do think it's a psychological issue where heads go down to some extent. Yeah. Well, we don't know yet if City will be given extra time off at the beginning of next season because of their, albeit brief, involvement in this season's Champions League mini-tournament. But if they're not, then they're back in action on the weekend of the 12th of September. That's just 29 days after the game with Leon. We're expecting the fixtures to be announced for the new Premier League season later this week as well. Here's what Guardiola's had to say about being able to plan for next year. Yeah, it's what it is. So we knew it. The show must go on. And, uh, yeah... Now it's time to the players take a break as short as you know we're going to get in as much days as possible. And yeah, we have to be back because next season will be so strong and demanding. But now, now it's not too much time to think about this. So it's going to sleep, try to sleep a little bit, and you know, in past 24 hours, 48 hours, and after start to think about the next season. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You've made it this far, so don't give up now. So, Sam, no, barely any time off for pre, uh, barely any time for pre-season. Um, all those problems that we've talked about in today's show that have existed for this season. Does that worry you for next season? Given that it, it, it's so close, it could end up just being a continuation of what of what we've seen. Um. Not really, because everyone's in the same situation. You know, every every team in the Premier League uh, are going into next season with the the same times of uh, you know preparation. Uh, albeit some teams are uh, spending more money. I think where City have done well is getting uh, a couple of players in early. Um, is Nathan Ake going to have the same? Imp- well, he's good, well, is he going to have the impact that we need? First of all. Um, I think it's a great signing, um, and to be fair, it, it, it's pleasing because out of all of the the players in in you know in this year's Premier League that 
could improve the squad and could could come in. They've finally gone out and and done what I wanted them to do and signed Nathan Ake. I think um, is he going to have the same impact like when Van Dijk went from Southampton to Liverpool? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think in terms of like looking at next season and and, and preparation, they've done well so far to to get players in. Um, is it enough? No, but um, you know every team's going to be saying that, and uh, yeah, I don't think I'm sure Guardiola will be the first to say you can never be prepared enough. Um, but that's just the way it is, and uh, you know everyone's in a in a similar boat at the minute. Yeah, so, uh, Richard. Um, Sam mentioned there they've got Ake in, they've got Torres in already. Um, does this squad need major surgery beyond that? I mean, I, I guess you'd want another centre back, but after that. Not necessarily major. Um, I think there's there's room for quite uh, major signings if they wanted to make them now. I don't think it's necessarily a desperate need. So, like I say, definitely another centre-back, which is probably going to feel major because no doubt it's going to be somebody who's going to cost a lot of money. We're seeing that there's obviously an interest from City and Cooler Valley and the figures that are being quoted there are eye-watering. Um the I think we could do with a left back. I think Cancelo has been a decent option there post lockdown, but we saw last night that he's not the ultimate solution because he's um, a is a right back by trade and left back isn't his best position. We've seen that earlier in the season, uh, although he, he does look better now. Um, but yeah, we, we, I think we could do with reinforcements there because Zinchenko also is very much starting to look like a square peg in a round hole in that position, unfortunately. Um, I think there would be a case to be made for getting another striker. Um, yeah. You'd imagine that Aguero's still going to be fantastic because he's a fantastic striker and despite the fact that he's uh, clearly in his twilight years, he's not lost any quality as he so we can rely on him as, as long as he's fit and to be fair his injury problems um aren't what they used to be i think he's just very unlucky with his one this year it's not a, a recurring problem so hopefully we can bank on him being fit jesus is very good but still for for my money a bit too inconsistent for as much as i like him and i really really do it can be quite frustrating so if there was an option there to get another um another reasonably proven striker and, and we could make sensible business of it, then I think that could be a good thing to do. But it, it would come with the risk that it might uh, it might knock Jesus's nose out of joint for a season. I, I think possibly goes, which would be a potential issue. But um, I think it's it's worth doing if we can. I think for me, that's that's an area where is glaringly obvious that we need someone else in, and and I think in terms of. You know, knocking Jesus' nose out. Well, that competition in the squad is is yeah. what we need, I think, um, for players to step up and to be on the toes. I think yes, we have got a million attacking players, but we have two out and out goal scorers in in the team. That's you know, let's be honest, expected to win all four competitions, um, and for to 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 have a squad of of just two strikers and if all right the system doesn't necessarily require any more than one at one time but you know there've been so many times this season where i've said this game needs Edin Dzeko because we're firing balls into the box for players that one aren't in and around the 6 yard area and two are no taller than 5 foot 9 so <laughs> you know it I hate to be like, oh yeah, plan. And in hindsight, it, it looks, you know, it's so easy to say and everything. But there has been so many times where we've tried to revert to to some form of a plan B and to get crosses into the box, but we there's, literally there's have just nobody there, on the is pitch. there. We yeah. have what? Yeah, we, you know, the system uh, dictates that we have one out and out striker on the pitch, or you know, a false nine, false whatever. Um, we don't have somewhat an out and out goal scorer, um, or as as many out and out goal scorers as we should have for a team that are challenging for for all four major titles. 
Uh, final word for uh, this final show of the season. Um, and speaking of finals, Richard, it's it's Guardiola's final year of his contract next season. So um, what happens next? Should should City be rushing to, to get him signed up to an extension? If they don't, is the, the is the speculation likely to, to to cause problems in the squad? Like, what what needs to happen? Well, I mean, I, ideally, um, assuming that City want to extend his contract, and I, I'm guessing that that's going to be the preference. Um, ideally, yeah, they'd start those talks, and even if it's just a one year extension, you'd nail that down as soon as possible. But Guardiola's history um, suggests that that. It's probably unlikely. It's not really how he works, is it? I think the only time uh, I can recall him making a contract extension mid-contract was when he turned his three-year City contract into a five-year one on the back of the Centurion season. Um, that was pretty, pretty rare for him. He obviously at Bayern he signed a three-year contract, and then in the last year let the speculation rumble on before. He confirmed he was coming to City in that February, I think it was. Barcelona, he signed one-year rolling contracts. Um, I think most of the time he only announced them at the end of the season. He's, um, he's an intense guy, isn't he? And I think sometimes he probably needs to weigh up. It's probably hard for him to predict how he'll feel in a year's time. So, um, I don't know. I don't know with that one. I think he's a good enough manager, a good enough coach. Uh, and I think we've got good enough and professional enough players that speculation about his future I don't think will be ultimately the difference of what happens on the pitch next season but obviously the ideal situation is that you do know what's going on but then what's the flip side if if he decides he's not going to re- renew his contract do we want that announced early because it that didn't go down very well when Pellegrini did it so I, it's a tough one and there's there's only one ideal scenario is that you get an extension announced early and other than other than that you're picking between two bad ways of doing business. There's, there's no right answer, is there? That's the thing. Mm. Um, Sam, I, there is there is potentially the argument, as Richard said, that, that, that Guardiola is an intense guy. What if it's just it's just burnt out for him at City now? What what if this squad, he, he's, he's maxed out what he can get out of them, and that was you know his second and third seasons where they played football the English league has never seen the standard of before they've won pretty much everything apart from the European Cup across the board what if that's what if that's what if they're now chasing something that they're never going to be able to get back um I think uh I think the the Guardiola critics would absolutely love it you know if he if he didn't uh if he didn't win the Champions League at Manchester City I think that's you can just see the criticism now. Oh, but you know, Guardiola's great, but you know, he only won the Champions League with Messi at Barcelona. Um, which just if, if that was the case, it would just add lots of fuel to that fire. Messi's uh, not the magic bullet though. Messi's only won it once since no, Guardiola no, left. No. So I know, I know, I know, I know. But that's what that's what the critics say, isn't it? You know, um and I th- you know what it, I didn't actually think of it that way. Um I didn't actually think of well, is Pep a bit burnt out at the city? Um I think so, actually. I, 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 I do think so. Um, because you look at the squad, um, I, I, it just feels like it needs a freshen up. Everything just needs a freshen up. And, you know, the, the, the dynacism isn't quite there, you know, like it was um, a while ago. And it, it feels like a... But, but to it's counter that, just just say, think no. of just think of the end of his first season, where yeah. you know. Yeah, it, but then it, at the end of his first season, we we got a lot of new players in. We got uh, new fullbacks. We we really refreshed the squad where we needed to. Well, give um, give the squad that injection this. Th- th- I was going to say this summer, but this closed season, and you never know, you could hit those heights again, could you? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think so. But it needs that, you know it it needs something, and I don't. Again, it's it's. It's easy for me to say because we've just lost a Champions League quarterfinal against Lyon, um, and I say this in like in terms of the general season overall, not just as a, a quick reaction from last night. But there are times when it feels a bit like a relationship that isn't really going too far at the moment. In terms of, um, it is a bit stagnant at times, isn't it? You know it. And I think it just needs a little, few little refreshing things. Um, but 
going back to this contract situation, um, this is this really needs nipping in the bud. Um, this could be. Uh, I know uh, Richard said that it, it he doesn't think it will really you know affect on the pitch. I think the opposite. I think it could absolutely kill the season. Like you know, if if we have a situation where Guardiola announces that he's going to a different team in February, then the circus would be unbelievable. Um, and yeah, I mean, it could take pressure off the team because you know people aren't particularly looking what's going on on the pitch. It's more off the pitch. But um, I think that first thing that needs to happen is definitely uh, a, a one-year contract extension, so it instantly kills the questions. Um, and then a few uh, refreshing signings that will uh, invigorate the squad again. So I, I know that I said that was a final question, but in a, a one-word answer from you both now, um, Richard, will City win the Premier League next season? Yeah. Sam? Uh, one word, man. What a question for one word. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. There we have it. That's it for the final Blue Moon podcast of this season. Thank you very much for listening. Please don't forget to give the show a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen because it means other City fans can find us and that helps us to pay the bills with all the ads as well. Uh, if you'd like to further help us out, then you can become a Patreon backer. It's free to sign up to at the moment and you can listen to all of our previous bonus content at the moment for free as well. Uh, but come September, we'll start charging backers again. That's because we'll be returning next month with a new season of the podcast and a new season of the bonus shows as well. For more details, have a look at our Patreon page patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast we're taking a short break while the football is away and I'm not going to lie after over 12 months of making at least one podcast a week I'm going to be glad of the rest so it's time to recharge the batteries and come back primed and ready for next season hopefully like the team as well thanks to my guest this week Richard Burns thank you very much and Sam Roscoe Sam it's been great to have you back mate a pleasure as always Uh, I'll be back in September so have a good few weeks see you then the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast